It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Well, lo and behold, here we have the one, the only, heard in Japanese and heard in Danish like a roll. Here he is, Dr. History. Morning, Zev. How are you doing this morning? Oh, not too bad. We are becoming world famous. We've got we haven't had severed relations with any country yet, but they're listening to us all around the world. Well, and hopefully we can improve those relations as they learn what you and I have to say about this great country and uh, hopefully give them a better perception of what the real people are here in America. With the Obama administration, it wouldn't take much. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Okay, now that we've got dead air, what are we going to say next while we're being listened to around the world? I was waiting for you. <laughs> well, this week, of course, is one of my favorite times of the year, and that's the 4th of July. Right. And every year since we've started this program, Zeb, you and I have done a uh, show about our flag and about our national anthem. And so that's what we're going to talk about today and hopefully give people a little better appreciation of our flag and of our national anthem. I have got a book, and I'm looking around my office frantically because uh, I forgot about what you were going to do this morning, and I've got a book that I want to give you to read about Francis Scott Key and uh, being held captive on that British boat while he wrote the uh, Star Spangled Banner. I am going to find that for you and give it to you to read. It's excellent. That would be great, because that will go right along with what we're going to talk about today. All right, well, I'm going to turn it over to you, and then if you would give me an opportunity at about 20 after the hour for a quick commercial break, I'd appreciate it. Okay, and also, Zeb, uh, I, we are also going to save the last couple of minutes for uh, the singing of our national anthem. All right, so we'll plan so on that. At time, we need to uh, cut away to that uh, so that we can save that for... Our very last. All right, we'll do that at exactly 1028, and as long as you've told Gina, we'll be all set to go. We're good. All right. Well, you know, as a student of history, I find that time after time, you can see the hand of God in preserving and protecting this great nation. For example, the British set fire to the White House and the Capitol, which was stopped by a sudden rainstorm. Well, they did it again, a second night, and again, another rainstorm. But several times during the American Revolution, uh, the British had the opportunity to defeat the American forces. But for some reason, they did not. There was an instance where George Washington had to get his troops uh, across the bay, and there was a fog that came in that rolled in at just the right time to get his men across, uh, across the Potomac. Uh, again, time and time again, the hand of providence, the hand of God, has helped preserve our country. And in fact, our founding fathers referred to the hand of deity in the writing of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Now, you know, there are those who would have us remove the words under God from our Pledge of Allegiance, 
and there are those who would have us change our national anthem because it's too difficult to sing. But, you know, knowing, knowing the story of how this song came to be written by Francis Scott Key, I believe it embodies the spirit of this great country, the bravery and the courage of our military people. Absolutely. And I know that there are listeners out there who lost loved ones in the wars, and there are probably some listeners who were there, were actually in the conflicts. And uh, every year, I, I just want them to know how much I appreciate what they have done, the sacrifices uh, uh, to protect my freedoms and the freedoms of speech that allows you and I to talk on this radio show, the freedom that allows me to go to the church of my choice, uh, to raise my family, to travel across this country without fear, uh, to be able to read and write the subjects of my choosing. And again, to those men and women, uh, I want to say a a big thank you. And uh, you and I, I know, both have a uh, a patriotic feeling uh, that uh, goes pretty deep. Absolutely. Thank you. But uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the flag first. Uh, No one knows really with absolute certainty who designed the first Stars and Stripes or who made it. Uh, There's a congressman named Francis Hopkinson. He seems most likely to have designed it. And a few historians believe that Betsy Ross, uh, Philadelphia's seamstress, uh, made the first one. But until the executive order of uh, 1912, there was no order of the stars nor the proportions of the flag. Consequently, flags dating before this period sometimes showed some unusual arrangements of the stars and proportions and uh, basically left to the discretion of whoever was making the flag. So there was really no set pattern. Well, in 1959, under executive order of President Eisenhower, he provided for the arrangement of the stars in nine rows of stars staggered horizontally and 11 rows of stars staggered vertically. So really it was 1959 when it really uh, became established as to what our flag should look like. Now, we refer to the flag as Old Glory. And I'm going to tell you why we refer to it that. Um, This famous name was coined by a Captain William Driver. Now, he was a captain of a ship in Salem, Massachusetts in 1831. Well, as he was leaving on one of his many voyages uh, aboard the brig, uh, Charles Doggett, and this one would actually climax with the rescue of the mutineers of the bounty. Now, some friends presented him with a beautiful flag of 24 stars, and as the banner opened to the ocean breeze for the first time, he exclaimed, Oh, glory. Well, he retired to Nashville in 1837, and he took his treasured beloved flag from his sea days with him. By the time the Civil War erupted, most everyone in and around Nashville recognized Captain Driver's Old Glory. Well, when Tennessee seceded from the Union, uh, rebels were determined to destroy his flag. But they searched and searched, and they could not find what they considered the hated flag. Well, in 1862, the Union forces captured Nashville, and they raised the American flag over the Capitol. Now, it was a kind of a small flag, and immediately folks began asking, well, uh, Captain Driver, uh, does Old Glory still exist? Well, happy to have soldiers with him this time, Captain Driver went home, and began ripping at the seams of his bed cover. As the stitches holding the quilt top to the batting unraveled, the onlookers peered inside and saw the 24-starred original Old Glory. Well, Captain Driver uh, gently gathered up the flag and returned with the soldiers to the Capitol. Though he was 60 years old, the captain climbed up to the tower to replace the smaller flag with his beloved flag. 
Well, the 6th Ohio Regiment cheered and saluted and later adopted the name of Old Glory as their own, telling and retelling the story of Captain Driver's devotion uh, to the flag that we honor yet today. Now, um, in order to talk about the National Anthem, we need to start with the War of 1812. And let's talk about that for just a second. This was about a three-year military conflict between the United States on one hand and on the other, Great Britain. Now, a lot of people uh, kind of have the misconception that 1776 was the end of the war with Great Britain, but it really wasn't. So, like I say, this was a conflict between Great Britain and the United States and, and actually Great Britain's al- Indian allies in North America. Now, the out- outcome resolved many issues which remained from the American War of Independence. Uh, but involved no boundary changes. Uh, the United States declared war in 1812 for several reasons, including trade restrictions brought about by Britain's continuing war with France, plus the impressment of American merchant sailors into the Royal Navy. You see, Britain, they had a hard time getting sailors, so they would just, if they boarded the ship, whether it was American or whatever, they would uh, press those guys into service into the Royal Navy. Um, and also the British support of American Indian tribes against American expansion. So in the United States, victories at the Battle of New Orleans in 1815, and then the battle we're going to talk about, uh, also called the Battle of Baltimore in 1814. And uh, basically this war produced, I guess you could say, a second war of independence against Great Britain. So... Anyway, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, so let's go back to the summer of 1813 for a minute. Okay. But Fort, Fort McHenry. Now, the commander, Major George Armistead, asked for a flag so big that the British would have no trouble seeing it from a distance. Well, two officers were sent to the Baltimore home of Mary Pickersgill, a maker of colors, and commissioned the flag. Mary and her 13-year-old daughter, Caroline, Working in an upstairs front bedroom used 400 yards of the best quality bunting. They cut 15 stars that measured two feet from point to point. Eight red and seven white stripes, each two feet wide, were cut. Laying out the material on the floor, the flag was sewn together, and by August it was finished, and it measured 30 feet by 42 feet. Now that was a big flag. Oh my. I mean, huge. $405 it cost to build it. Now, Francis Scott Key was a lawyer from Baltimore, and he was the one, of course, who who wrote the national anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, perhaps some history of how the song came to be written, and that's what we're going to get into right now. will give us a little better appreciation of, the, uh, of that. Well, the colonies, again, were engaged in war with England. Both sides had prisoners. The American government went to the British and said, let's negotiate for release of these prisoners. The British were holding some of these prisoners in boats about a thousand yards off the shore. Well, the government said, we want to send a man out to negotiate an exchange of prisoners, which happened to be Francis Scott Key. Well, on the appointed day, he went out in a rowboat to negotiate with the British officers. They reached the conclusion that men could be exchanged one for one. Francis Scott Key was happy with the success of the negotiation, 
And he went down into the cargo hold of the ship, and there he found a mass of humanity. He told them they were free, and they would be released from the filth and the chains that held them. When he went back up on the deck, the admiral came to him and said, We have a slight problem. We will honor our commitment to release these men, but it will be merely academic after tonight. He says, You see that fort over there tonight? We are going to remove it from the face of the earth. Look over the water. Scott could see hundreds of boats and ships. The admiral said that it is the entire British war fleet. All of the armament and gunpowder is to be called upon to demolish that fort. He said, you can't do that. It's full of women and children, and it's predominantly not a military fort. Well, the admiral said, don't worry. He said, you see that flag way up there on the rampart? We have told them if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately, and we will know that they have surrendered, and you will now be under British rule. Well, Francis Scott Key went down below and told the men what was about to happen. And Key told the men, I'll go back up on deck and shout down to you what is happening. At this point, Zeb, why don't you go ahead with that uh, ad if you'd like to. I think I would love to because we're running short on time, and I need to jump in here and say, of course, you know the Rupert Fourth of July celebration has started up this morning, and it's in full swing. And our thanks go to Haskin Insurance Service at 629 Fremont Street in Rupert, the wonderful people at Haskin Insurance Agency. We say thanks to them. Mike and Don and Terry are over there helping you with all your insurance, home, auto, farm, life, or health. Please give them a call at 4 Three six four one four one. Remember, Haskin Insurance Service, your partner in insurance protection serving you, and they wish you a very safe and sane 4th of July Independence Day weekend, along with our friends at Dixon Oil, 602 South 2nd in Rupert, 436-6609. They've been in business since way back in 1976, and they know how to give you and your vehicle absolutely the best service and keep everything running very smoothly and efficiently. They've got all the fuels in the oil and don't forget daryl and the crew of dixon oil wish you the very best of an independence day weekend be safe and be sane and don't forget to get your air conditioning system checked out keep cool this summer thanks to dixon oil 602 south second in rupert back to you dr history as twilight began to fall and a haze hung over the ocean as it does at sunset suddenly the british war fleet unleashed the noise was deafening. There was no relief from the sound of the cannon fire. It was impossible to speak or hear, he said. Although it was dark, the sky was suddenly lit. From down below, he could hear the prisoners asking one question. Tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling. Every time a bomb would explode close to the flag, they could see the flag in that illuminated red glare. And Francis Scott Key would report to the men down below, it's still there, it's not down. The Admiral came and said, your people are insane. What's the matter with them? Don't they understand this is an impossible situation? Francis Scott Key remembered something George Washington had said. What sets the American Christian apart from the rest of the world is that he will die on his feet rather than live on his knees. The Admiral said, we have now instructed all the guns to aim at that flag on the rampart. We will take it down. One thing we don't understand, our reconnaissance tells us that flag has been hit time and time again, yet the flag is still flying. We don't understand that. We are now about to bring every gun to bear on the flag for the next three hours. Francis Scott Key said the barrage was unmerciful. All he could hear was the men down below praying for God to keep that flag flying where they had last seen it. Well, sunrise came. He said there was a heavy mist 
hanging over the land, but the rampart was tall enough to be seen, and there was the flag. It was in shreds. The flagpole was at a crazy angle, but the flag was still at the top. Francis Scott Key boarded a small boat to go ashore to see what had happened. What he found was that the flag and the flagpole had suffered repetitious direct hits. When the flag went down, the Patriots would go over and raise the flag, knowing that it was the main British target. When they died, their bodies were removed and others took their place. Well, Francis Scott Key said that what held the flagpole at that unusual angle was the bodies of some of the Patriots. And at this point, he penned the song, Oh Say Can You See, by the dawn's early light. Now, the bombardment continued for about 25 hours. The British fired 1,500 bombshells that weighed as much as 220 pounds and carried lighted fuses that would supposedly uh, cause it to explode when it reached its target. But they weren't very dependable and often blew up in the midair. Well, the Americans had sunk 22 vessels so close approach by the British was not possible. But again, this is where, uh, as you understand and can hopefully visualize uh, what Francis Scott Key said. At this point, before we have the scene of the National Anthem, I would like to read all four verses. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. On the shore dimly seen through the mists of the deep, where the foe's haughty host in dread silence reposes, what is that which the breeze or the towering steep, as it fifthly blows, half conceals, half discloses? Now it catches the gleam of the morning's first beam, in full glory reflected, now shines on the stream. Tis the star-spangled banner, oh long may it wave, o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. And where is that band who so vauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country, should leave us no more? Their blood has washed out their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh, thus be it ever when free men shall stand between their loved homes and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that has made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Wow. I uh, I never can uh, quite get through all verses without tearing up and feeling very emotional for everyone, every single person in our history that fought and died for this great United States and for that flag. Dr. Ken Turner, you always do such a wonderful job, and I want to remind everybody that you can tune in and listen to these programs again by going to dr-history.com, and I think that on behalf behalf of Dr. History and myself at this time, it would be very fitting as we have a preview for Independence Day USA 2014, our 
National Anthem. The anthem produced by David Foster will be signed for the hearing impaired by Atlanta's Briar Lake Signing Choir and will be sung by award-winning recording artist Faith Hill. Faith Hill with our national anthem. And thank you again to Dr. History for a wonderful, wonderful story about the origination of our national anthem with Francis Scott Key.